All right. Well, tonight um, we want to go to to a very familiar passage, and and start to explore from that from the the point of John three sixteen, and move down through Scripture here a little bit, and and just kind of talk through and explore some of the verses here, um, and as we get into uh, the next portion of uh, chapter three in the book of John, we'll we'll look at. Uh, John the Baptist and how he exalts Christ. And and I really wanted to, to get into this because last week we spent a lot of time talking about what it means to follow Christ. Um, talking about what it means to, to sacrifice um, everything and to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus. And, and when Jesus is telling us that we need to take up our cross daily, excuse me, how it means to, um, to die to ourselves, how it means to, <clears throat> to take our 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 worldly our worldly self and and totally set it aside and to to depend totally on him and um somehow through some discussion and prayer this week i kept being led back to to some of the uh some of the the verses that are in this passage and so i thought we would just talk through it this evening and uh, and just kind of see where it takes us and so read with me if you will as we begin at uh, john three sixteen. And very familiar, obviously. Um, begins with four, the word four. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Why does it start with the word four? It's, it's kind of an odd, odd way for that to begin. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting that we don't talk about it very often, but the, the word four actually ties it back to the previous verse. Because the previous verse, even though in, in most um, Bibles this is all separated you know, in, in, in different topics here, um, 15 talks about that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And so this is how that eternal life has come about. And so that verse, verse 16 opens with four to, to tie it back to that reference of eternal life. Again, very familiar um, passage. It's a it, it is it is the gospel in a nutshell. It is uh, a passage that we focus on very heavily um, in our in our Awana teachings. Uh, we certainly work with it. It's the first thing that all the kids in Sparks learn when they come in. Um, we make sure that that they go through this verse bit by bit and break it down and come to an understanding. Of, of what it means that God so loved the world. But when Jesus was saying these words at this time, this was something that was a radical idea. Because the idea at this point is that God loves his chosen people. God loves the Israelites. And now you've got Jesus coming onto the scene and he is telling them, that God loves the world, that God loves more than just the Israelites, and that salvation is something that is coming to everyone, and that he has sent his son, as Jesus is sharing these words, he sent his son so that everyone may have this opportunity for eternal life. And it's a radical thought. <clears throat> and it's not something that, that is going to be able to be accepted very easily, as we know as we've looked through all the different uh, studies that we've gone through on Wednesday nights and a lot of stuff that we talk about on Sunday mornings. 
Uh, people just didn't quite understand what was taking place. Verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that it might be saved through Him. Now, obviously the argument can, can sometimes be, be made that, well, you know, as, as, as Jesus has come to save the world, yes, that's true, but if you don't believe in Jesus, then you are condemned. Well, the fact of the matter is that He wasn't sent to condemn the world. The world was condemned anyway. Without a Savior, you have no hope. Without the Savior, you, you don't stand, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't stand in a, in a neutral position with God. You know, you stand in a condemned position with God. There's, there's, there's two types of people. There's the saved and the unsaved. There's nobody in the middle. You don't get to walk a fine line and, and, and hope that, that that's somehow going to save you. It doesn't work that way. You're either on one side or you're on the other side. So he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he did come so that the good news might be shared and that the world might be saved through him. And verse 18 actually kind of backs this up. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the, of the only Son of God. Now, I want to, uh, to talk about that for just a minute. How many times have you heard folks say, it doesn't matter what path you're on, as long as you're on a path, it's okay. You might be on the Buddhism path. You might be on the Christian path. You might be on whatever. Name a path of a, of a major world religion. And there are those who believe that all paths are good. And, and when I was faced with this in a discussion uh, with a gentleman that I was working for several years ago, because he, he has written several books on spirituality and, and um, he is, he's really deep into Hinduism and, uh, and, and some of those studies he, he was like, oh, that's wonderful that, that you're, you're studying the scriptures. It's wonderful that you're a Christian. I, I, I commend you so well. And I'm thinking, well, okay, well, you're not a Christian. So, so we're going to have a conversation. And we did. We had a lot of conversations. And I asked him if every path is good. And he said, absolutely it is. Every path is good. I said, well, my path tells me that your path is wrong. So if my path tells me your path is wrong, is my path right? And he said, well, there's a problem with your path. And I said, well, what's that problem? He said, well, you, you put too much into the scriptures. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, the scriptures, they've been tweaked and written by man and, and they've been they've been added to and they've been worked with so that they would accomplish certain things to fill their own their own desires and their their own um, agendas and, and he said do you really think that Jesus would have said that and I said well yeah, as a matter of fact I do he said well uh, you, you've got to be careful he says you're, you're putting too much too much emphasis on the scriptures and I thought to myself you have written multiple books on spirituality 
you have interpreted your own belief system and your own structure. And I wanted to say, so in other words, you're telling me that people have done to the Bible what you have done? You have come up with your own method of believing? And I don't want to, I didn't go down that path because it would have just been an argument. Um, but, but he was convinced that if you're on a, quote, path, it's a good path, no matter what it is, unless it conflicts with what he believes, then it's not good. <laughs> I will say, um, so I've always really liked the fact that when you start the day in prayer, um, we have a devotional in our emails every day. But to me, it's just kind of a sign of the times because now they have moved over to spiritual diversity. Oh, is now being taught. So we've moved from being like it's a Catholic organization, but you know, yeah, Christian Catholic, um, to now one of their one of the devotionals one day was like, well, they were talking about Muslims and different religions, how we all serve one God. Ouch. <laughs> it was like it broke my heart, but that's where we're moving. We have moved into is the whole spiritual diversity they call it now. So what are they going to do with the chapel then? <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's just the way it's now. You can just tell the turn. Yeah. Away from one God now, where it's all good. As we continue, you're going to see far more churches, organizations drop what they know to be true in order to appease. And that's what I'm seeing. It's so sad. You know, it's like, because I've always loved the devotionals and stuff. And it's like, come on, guys, don't do this. Stick to your ground, you know? Yeah. They're being, must be pressured into doing things that they don't want. I don't know. I just pray for our, our chaplains and stuff that will have strength to stand up for the truth. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be, I mean, you have to, in order, in order to go down that path, you know, I, I, I believe wholeheartedly Jesus teaches us to be tolerant, but not necessarily accepted, right? Or, or accepting. And, and so when it, when it comes to things of this sort, once we accept them as norm, we're compromising the teachings that we know to be true. And, and you can't stand on the word of God and, and accept all those things to be true. You can stand on the word of God and be polite. You can stand on the word of God and lovingly deliver the truth. And you can stand on the word of God and, 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 and accomplish what he has asked us to do. But you can't stand on the word of God and compromise what you know to be true just so that you can appease others. Because the moment you do that, you validate their truths. When you take your truth and you squash it, then you have told them that your truth trumps my truth. And boy, there's a problem there, especially when we have these postmodernism points of view that say, like we just talked about, any, whatever you believe to be true is fine. If you believe that that's the moon shining out there, that's okay. As long as you believe it, it's okay for you. And that's a lot of college campuses. That's what's taught. It's whatever you think. If you feel that to be correct, it's all right. 
There's no such thing as absolute truth. And the scriptures are based on absolute truth. You know, Christ's teachings are based on, on one God. Jesus is the only path to the Father. And these are absolute truths that, that have never changed, do not change, and will not change. And yet we compromise them, we see them being compromised daily in order to prevent conflict and to accommodate those who are, are serving other, other gods. So nobody can be wrong and everybody gets in trouble. Exactly. That's exactly right. Nobody can be wrong and everybody gets trophy. Yeah, that uh, that irritates me. <laughs> it really does. It really does. I mean, you know, and, and I understand from 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 a healthcare perspective, you want to be sensitive to everyone who comes in. You want to be sensitive to their beliefs. And you want to be sensitive to, you know, the, the things that, that comfort them. Um, but in the past, they've never compromised. That's what I'm saying. I mean, just recently that it's starting to show because I've been there for a long time. And it just suddenly keeps popping up. And like they've done, like in their emails, they're drawing attention to like Muslim holidays. Or I think today is blah, blah, blah. You know, so... Oh, that's starting to pop up. Um, hmm. it's, it's sad, but it's, I think it's just a sign of the times and what we're going to see. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it shouldn't surprise any of us. It, it shouldn't surprise any of us. It just, it just felt like they were cohesive. Anyway, but now it's breaking apart for some reason. Something's, someone's coming to, I think, the care that um, is starting to change, trying to change things authority. Yeah, and 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 you're gonna and you are well. You already see it. You see it in in churches if you pay any attention today uh, to to what what has taken place in some of the pulpits and what has taken place in some of the larger churches, uh, the seeker sensitive movements, all the various things that are out there. You see compromise being made all over the place, and and it's a scary thing when it when it comes into our churches and they start to ignore the word of God. Um, you're seeing denominations split because they can't agree on what the truth is. Um, it's <sighs> so is that being taught in seminary schools then? Well, I guess it depends. I guess it depends on which seminary school you go to, um, because there's, you know, e even in the Baptist circles, there are there are different points of view regarding certain elements or certain uh, um, certain. Uh, parts of scripture and so depending on which seminary you go to you'll get a different foundational teaching about certain things and don't get me wrong there's there, the, the overarching message is the same but there are certain things that so nuances that are are taught differently and the, the problem with that is that some of those nuances and I'm not, I won't get into it t tonight but but when you start talking about Calvinism and and uh, you know the the belief that um, that that God's going to save who He's going to save regardless of, of what we do. That's why you go to some churches that are, are very heavily Calvinistic, and they have no um, uh, him. They have no invitation at the end of the service. The service is over. They 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 stop and they walk away 
And because they believe that God's going to save whoever, there's no point in having an invitation. We don't need you to come forward. Um, if you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved. And you can't resist him. When he decides to save you, you will be saved. If he has decided you will not be saved, there's nothing you can do to be saved. That's, that's, that's the teaching. That's the point of view. And that teaching is coming out of Southern Seminary very heavily right now, right here in the state. So it's a, uh, it, it's, you know, it's a problem. <laughs> it, it, that's my point of view. It's a problem. And, uh, and, and Ron, you might be able to attest. Did you have a hard time finding folks who didn't have a Calvinistic viewpoint? You were some that were worse than Ross Young the answer. He got a few definite no's. About fifty percent. About 50%. Yeah, it's and, and a lot of the a, a lot of the uh, the more common, you know, high profile um, evangelicals are, even though you may not know it, they are very, very Calvinistic. And and it's kind of sad um, that that they'll talk about John Calvin more than they'll talk about uh, Jesus sometimes. And uh, and and it's it's not something that that I enjoy listening to, but it's a, it's it's a direction. I'm not sure I'm not sure how I got here, but it's where I am. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! So we talked we were talking about uh, um, how um, there are compromises being made, and and Barb had asked about that's right. What are they teaching in seminary? So, so the answer is depends on where you go. You're going to get different viewpoints. So in verse 18, let's, uh, let's read that again. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So when you're, you know, I, it, to me, this, this paints this picture of sinful activities don't like to be brought into the light. They like to be done in the darkness and, and over in the corner where, where they're, they're not being seen. And when you talk about the Son of God and you talk about the Savior and you talk about Jesus as light coming into the world, how much light does it take to get rid of darkness? A very little bit. A very little bit of light. A very little bit of light. And so when, when you read this here that the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil, they don't want their their darkness to be exposed. They don't, they're enjoying their life. Sin is fun. Right? I mean, come on. That's, that's, the, that's the whole point. That's the reason we're drawn to it. There's certain elements of it that are fun and people don't want to give it up. Now, once you have the Holy Spirit, that changes everything. You may still sin, you will still sin, but the way you feel on the other side of that the conviction that comes is all, it, 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 it takes you down a totally different path. <clears throat> but people don't want to be exposed. And so for everyone who does wicked 
things, hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. <clears throat> so that's the whole segment that begins with John 3.16 and Christ speaking about salvation, speaking about, about um, uh, you know, coming to the Father and what, how the world reacts. And the fact that he has come to save the entire world and not just Israel. But then it goes into John the Baptist exalting Christ. And to me, this, these passages are very interesting um, because it takes us into a, a segment where John and Jesus are ministering at the same time. And they are essentially, you know, they're, they're on the same team. They're doing the same thing. But we know that, that, that John has come to pave the way and make straight the way, if you will, for the Savior. And he had a purpose to fulfill. And he was baptizing people. And, but at this exact time we're talking about here, Jesus is also baptizing people. And so we have this disagreement or a little bit of a discussion that comes up um, between some of John's disciples and talking about um, a discussion over purification, but they come to John and they, they have a discussion with him. So let's, let's read into this a bit here. Verse 22 says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon and Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. So, so um, uh, John is giving us a time frame here when this all has taken place. Verse 25, it says, Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. So that tells me right there that this, that this person who came to John the Baptist has already kind of missed the mark, right? Because it's almost as if they're coming to John the Baptist and going, hey, 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 look, look over there. People are going to him now instead of going to you. Isn't this a problem? And clearly that's not a problem because John has come with a purpose. And unknowingly, they have tried to set the stage for a ministry competition. And, and, I, and I bring this up just because it is far too common these days where folks in leadership positions or churches in the same area, they can't find a way to work together when they should be all on the same team. Well, that certain Jew could it have been like a Sadducee or a Pharisee, someone who was coming to cause confusion and disruption? Possibly. Because they saw what John was doing, and they knew that John was opening their eyes and hearts to more of what the scriptures are really saying versus what they were being taught and told. 
and Jesus was kind of confirming that, and they knew that, you know, what was going on, and that it was more people were going to be listening to them. So, I mean, it could have been since it was just saying a certain Jew. Let's stir something up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, without a without a doubt. The high courts. You know, yeah. Well, and and and, and 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 if you're and if you're doing that, you're you're assuming that John the Baptist is going to have a certain level of pride over his ministry, that he's, you know, pride is such a terrible, terrible thing. And it's really bad when it becomes a part of, look, what's currently been happening in the Southern Baptist um, denomination, I don't know how much of it you've read or how much of it you've seen over the last couple of years, but the executive committee in the Southern Baptist Convention um, it has been responsible for covering up and hiding a lot of sexual abuse and problems that have occurred within the Baptist churches, and the, and and they're they're doing it out of a desire to protect the church. So they say they're doing it out of a desire to to make sure that the that the that the the churches don't get a a bad reputation, and it's and it's started and it's come about because you have folks who have been harmed, folks have have been you know put in bad situations, and they go to church leaders, and the church leaders' first thought is, if this gets out, nobody's ever going to come to the church anymore. So instead of letting the authorities deal with it and and doing what, putting it out into the light. Right, I heard I heard the the, the, the comment the other day that uh, sunshine is one of the best antiseptics. Right, get it out into the light and let people know what's going on and that you want to deal with it. But instead, the thought process has been: if we do that, harm will come to the church, and if harm comes to the church, then we can no longer minister. So we have to deal with it internally. We have to take care of it here. You can't do that. You just can't do that. And so now we have a large number of cases that are coming to light where apparently the executive committee in the Southern Baptist Convention kept a spreadsheet, a running spreadsheet, with hundreds of different cases that have occurred throughout Southern Baptist churches where they have tried to keep them quiet. And it's and it's a, it's a scary thing. Now the beauty of the Southern Baptist denomination is that each church is autonomous. So yes, we're affiliated, but we're not controlled by. So we obviously, as a Southern Baptist church, get the opportunity to make our own decisions and do our own thing and go our own way. And we just give money to the cooperative um, uh, missions. But <clears throat> so so they don't dictate to us how to do things. And at this church, I can't imagine anything like that ever happening. I just can't. So did they not like um, prosecute? No. Isn't that like a felony? Oh, there's going to be more come out of this, yeah. yeah I was going to say, it's probably like a felony not to persecute my child, unless or whatever would need acknowledge. Yeah, and, and there's, it, I mean, it's, it, it, it's very similar, I hate to say it, but it's very similar to some of the things that have taken place in the Catholic Church where they tried to cover it up and priests went from one church to another you have pastors who are listed in this database 
who left a church and went to another church. I mean, it's it, it's just, it's unreal. And it comes from pride. It comes from not wanting to, to have things exposed out of fear. Where is our faith in God? Where is our faith in the light? And, and how do we deal with this in such a way when we are supposed to be ministers of the gospel? And yet people come to us in, in, these, in these situations and to not show them the compassion and to not show them the, the understanding and say, we're going to deal with this the right way. I can't imagine you know, a, a, a larger atrocity than, than trying to say, let's just deal with that here. You know, I, I read I read some accounts that were in the the uh, report that was put together uh, based upon this, and you know, you you had you had uh, young young ladies who said that um, they went into the pastor's office believing that the pastor was completely on their side and that things were going to be dealt with, and when they walked out, felt like they were completely alone and isolated, and there was no way anyone was going to help them because it became the church over the need of the individual. But it's also a problem with the congregation that they won't speak up. Sure it is. And bring it to them. Because if you've got a brother that's doing something wrong and you cover it up, you're just as guilty as everybody else. Yep. So, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going down a bunch of rabbit trails this evening, but... Uh, um, we talk. We talk about sin and and, and bringing it into the light. Um, it's 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 a bit of a scary thing um, to to realize um, that you worry about the the reputation of the church, and I and I do believe that that comes out of. Unfortunately. It comes out of the same thing that we, when we talk about the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had a concern that they were going to lose power. They had a concern that they weren't going to be able to do what they did that brought them the joy and the pleasure, etc. And, and so they saw Jesus as a threat, and it led to the crucifixion. It led to all the things that we've, we've talked about. Things really haven't changed that much. Things really have not changed that much. And pride and competition within ministry, you know, if, if there are two Baptist churches, we're, we're, we're pretty much in, a, in an isolated world here. <clears throat> but if there are two Baptist churches in the middle of the city, I promise you that there's somebody in those churches who says, uh, did we have more people than they had? <laughs> promise you. And I and I, I I just I loved it one day Dave when Dave Wood was teaching, uh, Dave came to me and and I, we we had a conversation about about something about how many people were, were in the class or, or I I don't remember the full thing but I remember the the end of the conversation, and he just said hey we're all here for the same reason this is not a competition you know we we all we just we just want to reach as many people come in the door. And, uh, and I told him, I said, when somebody comes in the door, I remember what it was, when somebody new comes in the door, I tended, I would send them to his class. They would, if they would stop at my door back in the hallway, 
I would talk to them for a minute and I would say, if you really want to go to a class where you'll experience a cross-section of this church and where you'll experience some sound Bible teaching, and I said, I, I'm not trying to say that we don't do that in my class, but I think you would feel, feel more comfortable to attend first Dave's class. And then when you're finished there, if you want to explore other classes, that's fine too. But I think I would start there to get a, to get a feel. And I remember telling him that. And he says, hey, you know, we're all on the same page here. This is not a competition. And, uh, and it's not. It's not. But I like your, like your point of view, Barb, that this may have been someone who was just trying to, uh, uh, to stir things up a little bit. No, I mean, but it, it just kind of caught my eye because it says a certain Jew. Well, yes. You know, they were all kind of Jewish. Some of them were. Some of them were half Jewish, half not. Um, but just said that a certain Jew. I'm just wondering if it was referring to like someone from like Sadducee or, or even like someone like Saul who was not yet a Pharisee or Sadducee. He was just in the training, but he was within that group. So, yeah, well, and John, and John the Baptist handles it very, very well. In verse 27, he says, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase that I must decrease. So John the Baptist stood up and essentially said, everybody should go over there. Everybody should be drawn to him. And, and I want to focus just for, uh, just for the remaining couple of minutes on verse 30. Because when we talked last week about what it means to serve Jesus and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, I think John encompassed everything, John the Baptist, when he said, he must increase that I must decrease. There's, there used to be, a, not all that long ago, a, move and a, and a movement in a lot of uh, contemporary Christian music. There were so many lyrics of, I want more of you. Give me more of you, God. Give me more of you. Give me more of you. And, and the end, basically the end result of that is if you want more of Jesus, you've got to have less of you. If I want more of Jesus, I've got to make room for him. I've got to get rid of what it is in me that is holding on to the world, what it is that's holding on to the things that are not of God, and set those things aside so that there's room for more of Jesus to be in me. And, and I think that, that that happens as we as we strengthen our relationship, as we read more, as we study more, as we pray more, as we minister more, as we as we become more and more obedient. All of those things add to us increasing our relationship with Christ. And as our relationship with Christ increases, we decrease more and more and more. And and you, you can't, you know, there's there's there was a um, I saw an example uh, painted one time of a man. I may, have, I may have shared this with you, but the man said, when, when I come home at night, I'm carrying my briefcases and my laptop bag and all these things, and I walk in and my children run up to me 
and they grab me around the legs. And they, they, you know, they're, they're showing me their love. And it's wonderful. But he said, in order for me to put my arms around them and to love them and experience everything that comes from that relationship, I have to drop those bags. And when I drop that baggage and then I hold on to them, I get to experience the, the fullness of that relationship. And I think that's a wonderful picture of our relationship with Christ. We carry a lot of baggage. We carry a lot of baggage from the world and we carry a lot of things that we just don't want to let go of. And, and Christ is saying, drop them. Whether it's things that you want to try and handle yourself, whether it's things that, that, that you just don't know what to do with, whether they're burdens, whether they're responsibilities, whatever they may be, he's not saying shirk them, but he's saying give them to me, right? You need to drop them and stop trying to handle everything. Because the more we try to handle, the harder it's going to be. I have just totally just babbled on and on tonight, haven't I? So this is what this is what happens when I have a day full of pain, and then I come in here and I'm just ready to talk. So I go back where in the verses where I was talking about you know being in the light and the darkness and things being in there. I just remember years back it was on one of the women's prayers. Whoever was doing lesson was talking about. There is no darkness in the light. And to kind of like bring that perspective, she had a match and she lit a match and she put it up against the wall. If you put a mat, light a match and put it against the wall, there's no shadow from that light. So there is no darkness in the light. You know, so in the light of Christ, there is no darkness. There is no darkness. So, and it just, I, and I had never seen that before. You, yeah. It's a shadow. Yeah. Except for light. Except for light. <laughs> so there is no darkness in the light. Absolutely. So, so is so is that so is that a picture of sin cannot exist there? Yeah. Sin cannot exist there. And in order for us to be there, then our sins have to be gone. They have to be dealt with. And how do we get there? So you can you can you can take that and, and go right into a gospel message and. And work your way through it. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Any any other comments, questions, criticisms, or uh, uh, anything you want to throw at me? I I, some, I I don't put things into words very well. Um, but when you when we're talking about how people these days try to in, interpret, compromise, and interpret the Bible to way they the way they want it to fit in their life, and they get away from the truth of the written word. What, what I thought of immediately is this is so important right before the last two sentences in the Bible he talks to God says anyone who adds to the prophecy of this book uh, take or takes away from it all the plagues in this book will, will come to you and uh, you know will be taken from the book of life I mean he's saying there and it's at the very end of this Bible if you don't, don't misinterpret it's all here in black and white why? Don't mess with this. Yeah. 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 Yep. If you were to, uh, if you were, I've, I've been, I've, I think I've shared with you, I know I shared with, some, with my Sunday school class, but I've been watching a lot of Westerns lately. And I don't know why, but but I'm on a gun smoke kick. And, 
and and uh, and I've been I'll, I'll uh, there's there's a there's a streaming channel that, that actually has twenty four seven gun smoke, mm-hmm. and so you can at any time I go in and sit down at the kitchen table, I I gotta have my I gotta have my Festus fix, and uh, and so lately whenever I read something in scripture for whatever reason I can almost hear like Matt Dillon going, don't mess with this right and so I'm not. <laughs> It's a, it's a knob. It's a phase I'm going through. That's all it is. I'll come out of it. I'll be okay. Don't worry about me. So, <laughs> anything else? Well, thank you all for coming tonight, and thanks for being here. Um, I appreciate the discussion, and uh, we'll go ahead and close then, and and uh, get on out of here, and try to enjoy a little bit of the daylight still on your way home. So uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for your for your word. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for uh, we thank you for what it does for us. Lord, we thank you for the power that exists. We thank you for the endless discussions that we can have around the scriptures, Lord. And we just thank you for preserving it for us, uh, low these many years, and and uh, just giving us the opportunity to be here tonight uh, to have these discussions, Lord. And in that process, to grow closer to you, uh, Lord, uh, that that we may decrease. Uh, so that you may increase. Uh, Father, as we depart from here this evening, we just ask that you be with us. Keep us safe, Lord. Uh, Be with those who were unable to join us this evening, Lord, and bring them back to us this coming uh, Sunday for worship. And uh, thank you once again for all that you've done. And Lord, we continue to look forward to all that you'll do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.